Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to episode 70. Today we have a special guest and I am so excited about this conversation. One, because this guest is a good friend of mine. Bella Jones is someone that I had the opportunity of coaching for a year. And during that time, I got to see Bella flourish and truly become an amazing course creator and coach. Now, what's crazy about this relationship is that Bella and I continued our friendship beyond coach and coaching client. And this isn't something that I do with everyone. It just doesn't typically happen. However, Bella's personality and her energy is something that I was very connected to. And I think with Bella specifically, she just continued to keep up with me and we developed a friendship that I am so happy that we have. And this is a relationship that has continued to grow. Bella and I have become accountability partners along with another friend. Bella and I have hung out together. We've gone on double dates with our husbands. We've done Instagram lives together. We do clubhouse rooms together. We text all the time, (laughs) all the time. And we literally are really good friends. Now, the second reason why I'm super excited about this conversation is because Bella is a financial strategy coach, and she is really passionate about helping women of color achieve financial success, build generational wealth, and establish a financial future that they can be proud of. And in this episode, Bella is going to share smart money moves that you can make in your 20s, your 30s, and your 40s. So we'll start off the episode getting to know a little bit about Bella, um, what she wanted to be when she was a kid, what does she do now, and then we're gonna jump into those tips. She's giving us three tips for each decade And you are going to love this. Get your notebooks ready, get your pens ready, and let's get ready to learn about what smart money moves we can make this year in 2022. I'm Janelle B. Stewart, and I love to laugh, dance, and travel, but what I do best is talk. I'm here using my gift to inspire and empower you to live a life filled with positivity and abundance. Welcome to the Look on the Bright Side podcast. So Bella, we're going to start off with uh, getting to know a little bit about your history. I would love to know, what did you want to be when you were a kid and why? It's so funny you asked that question. I was like, it's embarrassing to say because it was something that was so far-fetched. So I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be famous. Like you saw people like Monica and Vogue, Brandy. I wanted that to be me. But a girl can only sing well in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) Same. (laughs) So it was like, yeah, that's a a pipe dream, right? There was was no way that was going to happen. But honestly, that's really what I thought I wanted to do as a kid. Just be famous, travel, do all kinds of crazy things. And yeah, so that's kind of what I saw my future as a kid. That's so funny. My mom says... 
a similar story. I don't remember, but she said, I, she says, I told her I wanted to be a rock star. So I guess we were on the same wavelength there. <laughs> basically, well, basically. it sounds like you, um, it sounds like from the way you describe that only being able to sing in the, sing in the shower, that you are definitely not a singer. So what do you do now? So now I currently work as a finance manager. I do work on a team that focuses on special projects for the C-level executives of our organization. So any, we're like the, like the Navy SEALs of finance, anything they need done, you kind of swoop right in, you know, execute the, the plan or the mission, then we kind of go off in the sunset. And so we've done things like helping them understand the profitability of different segments within our business or within the business so they can understand which ones they want to divest out of or invest more in, just helping them really get more efficient with their processes. You know, when you have people who've been in a company 10, 15, 20 years, they tend to start doing things a certain kind of way, even if they don't really serve you well now. Most of the time I find that happens because the company was smaller but the systems and processes didn't grow with the organization. So a lot of inefficiencies, broken processes, manual processes. And so our team really kind of comes in as an in independent, objective, third party. We've only been there about two to three years, our, our small team, to really say, this is not really best standard practice for the industry. So how can we implement it and just really work with those teams to say, how can we streamline it, be cost effective so we can really move the business forward? Because in any business, you need to be nimble, fast, and quick. And you have these old processes, old systems, it's really hard to do that. And we are owned by a private equity firm and they want everything yesterday. So with their high demands and the company's way of doing things, we are bridging that gap to really help them you know, meet the needs of all shareholders. So that's really what I do present day. Okay. And what type of education did you need to be able to do all of this? Good question. So I do have my bachelor's of science in finance, went to Adelphi University, have my master's as well. I have other certifications in Six Sigma and things like that. And lots and lots of years of experience at this juncture, 16 to be exact, which is like, crazy because like wow. I'm old I'm not old no you're young <laughs> and for those of you watching Bella on the Patreon look at the glow okay flawless skin there's nothing old about you at all um so Bella 16 years in the finance industry and I would love to know why is financial literacy so important to you as someone who has gotten to know you all these years for those of you who follow Bella follow Bella on Instagram, you know that she speaks financial literacy. She gets you in your place. She has her picture meme where she's looking at you sideways. She is constantly talking about knowing more about our finances and doing better. But why is this so important to you? Great question. So there's two parts as to why it's so important to me. So my parents immigrated from a country in South America called Guyana. Mm -hmm. And while they did really well for themselves, they have properties, they, you know, my dad's retired, my mom's getting ready to retire. They've had, you know, they've invested. They didn't really teach us a lot of the things because they were kind of learning as they were going along. And so just going into my twenties, I didn't know a whole lot either. And so for me, it was just like, you're trying to get through life, go through the motions, have my kids really, really young, got married really, really young. So things were a hot mess. And so fast forward to, I guess, my early 30s, I was trying to purchase a home. 
And it just did not go well the first time around. So my story is, you know, my credit scores weren't that great. I want to say like 620 to 650. So just enough to say, all right, we can give you this mortgage, but I had great income. That definitely kind of helped me, you know, get that great pre-qualification. So looking for a house, found a house. And when I say I was buying this house, y'all, I was buying this house. I paid the inspection fee, $5,000 good faith deposit, wrote a contract, had an attorney. Like we were, or I was buying this house, just myself and my two kids at the time. And then one day the loan officer called and says, Houston, we have a problem. So I, like many of us, have a lot of student loans from undergrad and grad school. And unlike some people, I never consolidated my student loans. So I had like 15 different loans independently, and they all reported 90 days past due. So I went from not so great credit to horrible credit. When I say horrible, 498 was the lowest score. I think it was my experience, but don't quote me on that. And so the whole deal fell apart. We tried to get Nelnet, my loan provider, to you know, reverse the error on the credit report because it wasn't an error they took off a year later. But in that 30-day time period, they just weren't budging. So I essentially lost half of my $5,000 deposit. Anything else that I paid into this house buying process was just sunken cost. And so it was gone. It was a house like I was showing my, my kids. You walk through the house. They were kind of picking out their rooms. And, you know, it was really like an exciting time for us. And then it kind of just all fell apart. And so that was like the lowest of low in my journey. And it was like, okay, we have to like really get our ish together and not just the bare minimum, we need to go out and really get our shit together, like really knock it out of the park. Because when it comes to bad credit versus good credit, when you have good credit, like you move differently. You walk into a space with confidence, like, okay, what what are you going to give me? Because I can go anywhere. Versus bad credit, you're kind of like, well, I hope they're going to give me this loan. I don't care what the interest rate is, whatever I got to put down, right? You really are settling for whatever the bank is going to give you. And you are at their mercy. There's literally no negotiation or negotiating power that you have as a consumer. So that was really where my journey started. Just, you know, ripping that bandaid off, looking at my credit. It is what it is, right? A lot of us avoid it because you're like, I know it's bad, but if I ignore it, maybe something will happen magically. I don't know. But anyway, so that was my journey. It took me two and a half years of budgeting, paying debts off, saving up for a house, and just really trying to do it the right way to not just barely, you know, be approved, but to really be approved, have a great interest rate, and really give myself options. So that's really where it all started for me. Yeah, I can totally understand what you were saying about when you have good credit, you have like a certain level of confidence. I remember um, not having any credit as a college student and really wanting to do things and feeling so powerless because I just couldn't really um, get a lot of the things that I wanted due to not having any credit. So it's similar to like having bad credit, having no credit is really crazy. And then now fast forward many years, having such good credit I really have never thought about the way you put it, where you just kind of move differently. There's nothing I've ever wanted that I needed credit that I didn't feel I was going to qualify for, like ever. So much confidence. So getting your credit in order is 100% ideal. And then you said it took you two and a half years. What were some of the things, is, is two and a half years 
a common amount of time to go from not being able to get a home credit score 498 to being able to turn things around? Is that practical? Is that short? Is that like fast or is that slow? Um, I think that's a realistic timeline. And I only say that because depending upon there are other pieces to the equation, right? So it's how much money do you have to put down the house? So if you have debts you're trying to pay to improve your credit scores and you're trying to save for a down payment, right? It all depends on how much money you make and how fast can you kind of get those things together. Plus also just getting your financial house in order. So for myself, it took me two and a half years it just depends upon how low your credit scores are from a starting point and how much income you have and really how serious you are about the journey. I have had clients who in a year, they've been able to get their scores up 120 points and they really started to, you know, budget themselves where they could get enough money, you know, to save up for a house. I've seen it done in a year, year and a half. Um, but that one client also didn't have any children. So she definitely had more disposable makes income. A difference. Right, definitely makes a difference. So I think everyone's situation is different. But what I will say, if you do have low credit scores, it didn't happen overnight. So you also can't find your way out of it overnight either. So I think it's setting realistic expectations. So I would say one to two years is really a bare minimum goal, but depending upon your income and all the other moving pieces in your life, it could take longer. And I think that's the part that really discourages people because it might take quote unquote so long. But I always share my story to say, we've now been in this house over five years now. And then before that, the two and a half years of my journey. And so now it's like, when you see Bella, you just see Bella today, but this is really like an eight year journey in the making when you, when you think about it, but it has gone by so fast that it's like, I can't imagine not have taken that first step because I, I don't know where I would be today. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. back to your question, just setting realistic timelines. You can't say you have 500 credit scores and you can buy a house in three months because it's not only just the financial part, it's the whole house buying process as well. Right. And now in the market that we're in, things are really wonky, um, but it can take you maybe up to a year to even find a house that you want to buy and you can actually get it because the market's very competitive. So there's so many moving pieces, you know, to that. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that for the listeners who they need to get it together and they're trying to figure out how long this will take. I don't find two and a half years or three years to be very long, but I think it's because I'm thinking about the other side of it. When you do get the home, you'll be in it for a very long time. Just like you said, right. you've been in your house for five years. So ladies and gentlemen, if you need to get your credit together, don't think about it as a, um, how long it's going to take. Just think about the fruits of what's going to be on the other side of that. Yes. All right, Bella, I want to ask you another question. And this one is going to tap into you thinking back to when you were going through your financial struggles. And that is, what is something that you wish you knew about money then that you know now? Right. So I think I wish I knew there were other ways to make money outside of a nine to five. Mm. I think that being someone that has Caribbean parents and that is like the creme de la creme of making money, right? You work overtime, you stay at a job for 20 years and you move up the ranks and, you know, not really understand that there are other ways to do, you know, to make money besides that. And you can still have your nine to five, but above beyond that, the whole multiple income stream thing and not anything that was ever in my scope or purview growing up. 
and even in my 20s, I would have to say. And so while I did have entrepreneurs in my family, I can't say they were really sharing what they did and how they did it. They were very private about it. And so I will say that's why for myself, I'm very big on being transparent and sharing because when you share that information, you don't know whose life you're going to change, right? By sharing that gem, that tidbit, that piece of advice. I know for myself, I would not be where I am today if someone didn't share or pour into me. And so I think that's the one thing when it comes to our community, we have to kind of do a better job at, which I do love about you, Janelle. You are definitely always pouring into our community and sharing and giving inspiration. And we need more of that because you might see someone like, okay, I see they have a great living, they're making money, but how do they do that? And that person's like, I'm not telling you my business, right? And you kind of have this conundrum. And so I think as we start to share and be more transparent, we can find other ways to do things. There isn't any one cookie cutter way to get things done. And so I, I wish I knew that growing up because I definitely would have approached things a little bit differently. But more importantly, seeing people that look like me doing these other things also would have, I think, helped me as well. Oh, this is such a good reflection. I think, I wish I knew the same. <laughs> like you, very similar in that I never had considered what I could do outside of going into a job. And even when I think about the different ways I could have worked, I always think about a traditional job. And so, yeah, that's such a really great uh, reflection and exactly what Look on the Bright Side is all about, just abundant thinking, thinking outside the box, doing different things. And yeah, wow, I really, I really, really like that one. That is a good one. And I concur, I really do. So now that you do know of different ways on how to make an income and you've seen other people representing your community and people that look like you represented in these fields. Have you been tapping into that now or? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I know I the answer, that. but they don't. <laughs> you know, totally got it. So just, you know, I have a whole business now. So I started Bella's Credit Corner, which is my YouTube channel. After going through my whole credit repair journey, seeing what was on the other side, not only just having a home, but, you know, having these amazing credit cards, earning points, rewards, traveling for free. I'm an official travel snob. And so it's like a whole new experience and lifestyle for us. And so I, I really start to see that in those spaces, you don't see a lot of people that look like us per se, and they aren't really talking to us either. And so I started my YouTube channel with the plan of just, you know, get having this popular channel and getting AdSense revenue. So fast forward, I guess three years later, that is not the case. I have not monetized my YouTube channel yet, but I now have a full-fledged business where I have courses and clients and eBooks and all kinds of stuff to help people with their financial journey. And so to kind of be in this space was definitely not how I saw things panning out, but I'm loving you know, where the business has gotten to present day. And looking forward to seeing, you know, how I can really grow and scale this in the future. So, yeah. And Bella is a really amazing course instructor and coach. I've had the privilege of working under her in her investing accelerator program. And I learned a lot about investments. Um, so obviously I'll make sure that you all know how to get 
in touch with Bella and how to find her different courses and all the things that she offers. You'll see that all in the show notes. And I highly encourage that you all do consider and check them out. Now, Bella, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the different decades of life, and I would love for you to offer advice and information to my listeners that are in different areas of the decades of their life right now. So we'll start with the 20s, okay? So my listeners in your 20s, Bella, can you share three important things women in their 20s should do now? Yes. So I was, I really love this question. And it's something that I'm like, I wish someone had talked about this when I was in these spaces. But anyway, so in your 20s, it really is important to pay attention to your credit and your finances. In your 20s, you're in that space where it's like YOLO, you only live once, right? Or you're just worried about different priorities, whether it's your career, you know, your health, just having this great life with family and friends. And so your credit, for example, might be the last thing from your mind because you might feel like, "Ah, I have time before I need to worry about that. And the one common thread that I see with a lot of the people in my audience and my clients, we don't care about our credit until we need it for something. Right. By that point, it's kind of too late. It is what it is at that juncture. So the best time to work on your credit is when you don't need it for anything because you have that time to really put in the work, pay attention, and also not fall victim to scams or feel compelled to do shady things. And so if you are someone who's like, your credit is so far in the back of your mind, you're just worried about making money in your day-to-day, now it's time to pay attention. So going into your 30s, you can have amazing credit and kind of already know what's going on. Because I find with most people, You don't know what's going on in the credit report until someone else tells you. And then you're trying to backpedal and fix it. You're like, oh my God, what happens here? And it could be even things like fraud. You could have fraudulent accounts, activity on your credit report, and you might not even have a single clue. So I recommend- Well, your mama could have taken a credit card in your name (laughs) when you was a baby. (laughs) That part. Or a light bill that went into collections, or it could right. be anything. And so <laughs> I recommend for ev- and for everyone, wherever you are in life, going to annualcreditreport.com. It's a free service where you can get access to all three of your credit reports, Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. And you can actually get it for free every week until April 2022. Once we get to 22 of April, I don't know what they're going to do at that juncture because that feature started back in right in April of 2020 when the pandemic happened. And before that, you could only do it once a year. So now getting access to it weekly is a great benefit. I just don't know how long they're going to continue with that. But looking at your credit, rip that bandaid off just to kind of see where you are. And like for one example, I can say one of my clients who bought my ebook, she was like, Bella, I ran my credit and it wasn't as bad as I thought. And, you know, and it was like, see, (laughs) right. And just to jump in, um, a lot of people, uh, when they're in their twenties, they, are definitely recouping from things that they did in their early teens. Like I remember my first credit card was a Capital One credit card. And I also had an Express card, the the, this clothing store. And I didn't really do good with my Express card because I kind of just acted like it wasn't that serious. Right. It was absolutely affecting me when I was, um, as I was getting older. So what Bella is saying is true because you don't even know the impact. Like when you 
see that bill and that bill says you got to pay $10, right? But you don't have $10 because you are like 19 and you're like, I got to pay my cell phone bill. I have my car insurance. And you're like, it's just $10. No, sis. It's not just $10. Go and figure out how you're going to pay that $10. Ask your mama, borrow from a friend, right? You better go do an Uber for a night or something. I'm not even joking. Get that $10 and pay that bill because that 30 days late, that 60 days late. And like Bella said, when she looked at her credit report, she had 15 accounts. I said 90 days late. That is what the problem is. It's not the $10 y'all. It's those latenesses. (laughs) and you know to what you were saying earlier about multiple streams of income some of you listening might want to let's say for example do like an airbnb right you might want to maybe rent a space and i don't know i don't know if they still do this because it's been so long since i've rented but they probably do but they check your credit score now um i was renting in brooklyn and they want they ran my credit to see if i was if i was worthy of having the apartment So, you know, you may be thinking, you know, I'm not trying to buy a house until I don't know when, but actually I bought my first house when I was 27. So I was, um, in my twenties. And if I hadn't taken care of those (laughs) express issues, (laughs) could you imagine express being the detriment of my ability to buy a home for my family? Or if you want to get into an apartment, if you want to do an Airbnb and other things that might require it. So Listen, jobs, Bella's not joking, y'all. In your 20s, if you're listening right now and you have not looked at the credit report, can you repeat that website? Annualcreditreport.com. And to your point, I have one client who lost a job because of her credit. And there are times where you won't be able to get a job because I've had a relative of mine who couldn't get a job. She was trying, she was in the banking industry and she, when she was looking for a new role, she couldn't get a job because of her credit. And so to your point, Janelle, your credit does not only impact your ability to buy a house, it touches a lot of parts of your life. Sometimes even just to put utilities on. If you have bad credit, they might need a, de- a deposit. So it's really important to take it seriously because you don't know how it's going to impact you, even if you don't want to buy a house in the near future. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good tip. Anything else for my ladies and gents in their 20s? Yes. So this one is more of a, I don't know, I'll just say it. Make an effort to network and connect with people who are older than you, Mm -hmm. because there will be a wealth of information to really help pour into you because there's a lot that you don't know. Right. And so in our 20s, we don't really think about networking and connecting with other people. And so I can say for myself, that has been the crux of my success in my career. I'm always the youngest person in those circles, you know, throughout my career and just learning and listening to these older individuals. And I'm saying they have to be in their 80s per se, but they're a great reference too. But try to make an effort to have more than just your immediate age group in your circle. They, these older individuals, they've gone through life. They can teach you some life lessons and they can maybe help you avoid some very expensive life lessons as well. So that's the second tip that I give for anyone in their 20s. Because I know you think you're smart, but I promise you, you don't know everything. Yeah. And listen to them too, because you don't, you might not be wanting to listen. That part. Um, <clears throat> the third tip I would say, start investing now 
even if you don't have a whole lot of disposable income, even if it's just $20 a week, $25 a week, it could be $25 a month. I don't even care at this point. Just start putting something away because those little babies, I always say all the time, when it comes to your finances, those small baby steps and doing them consistently is really where all the magic happens. Do we want large pops of money? Do we want <clears throat> to make more money? Absolutely. But you have to do what you can with what you have. And so if you can afford to buy those mink lashes, Starbucks, go to Panera Bread, you can also find $25 to put into an investment portfolio. If you can go ahead and <clears throat> give Apple that monthly payment for 24 months for your cell phone, and this is for anyone in, the, in, in regardless of your age, if you can commit to Apple or Samsung or whoever, you can have you to give yourself that same energy. You can find $25 to put away and you will see that money grow significantly over time. The earlier you start, the better it is for you in the long run. Now, if you start later, nothing wrong with that too, but in your 20s, if you can try and put away those little bit of coins, it's gonna go a long way for your future. So if someone in their 20s right now is like, oh, you know what, Bella's right. I have been spending a lot of money just splurging and I do wanna start taking it seriously so I can be better off later on. It, what would I do? Because I don't, I'm 20, I'm 22. I don't know about investments. What am I supposed to go do? How do I do it? Great question. So the great thing with investing, it's so accessible. You have a lot of options. So you can open an account with some of those apps like Webull and Robinhood. You could do it on your phone, literally connect your bank account and start doing investment contributions monthly or weekly. Or if you do have an employer that offers a 401k, Open that 401k, and if you can only afford 1%, start with 1%. You know, you want to kind of really start doing those small baby steps. So I would recommend starting there. And if you're not really sure, well, what do I actually invest in? What do I buy? Stick with companies that you know starting out. So any company that you use their service and products on a regular basis, you see them on the news a lot. You can just start there. And then as you start to go through your journey, then you wanna kind of start learning a little bit more so you can make more strategic decisions when it comes to investing, but do what you can with what you have and buy things that you know and understand. Yeah, and for you listening in your 20s and 30s and 40s, of course, um, <clears throat> uh, Bella has several links to the references that she talked about, the Weeble and the Robinhood. I'll put those down below so that you guys can sign up for them. And does Robinhood still give them a free stock? Robinhood still gives a free stock and so does Weeble. Weeble right now actually gives you two free stocks. They give okay. you one stock when you open your account. They give you a second one when you do deposit $100. Robinhood, you get one free stock regardless of whatever you end up doing. Just by opening the account, you do get one free share. Okay. So now you guys will start your investments and you'll get a one or two stocks, depending on which one you go with. And, um, you guys, if you've never opened up Robinhood or Webull, it really looks like a fun interactive app. I promise you it won't be intimidating. And like Bella said, just buy things, you know, and sometimes you may end up buying things you don't know. Just a quick story. When I was <laughs> in college, um, what Bella just said about putting in 20, $25, that's what I was doing. And at the time um, I was using this uh, website that is no longer around anymore. I forget the name right now, but it was like a, um, 
it was similar to these apps, but it was just on a website because apps weren't a thing at the time. Um, I was putting in $2025 and I was investing in businesses that today we know their name, but back then I had no clue. I was just doing what I thought made sense. And I think the way that the program worked is it was kind of like a mutual fund, but it seems like it was kind of different in that you were making a small investment in a lot of things, not just one Mm. thing. Anyway, y'all girl, I was invested in Google when they were dollars. I was invested in Amazon when they were dollars. Y'all, I graduated class of 2007. Okay. It is 2021. I was invested in these companies, Whole Foods, the airlines, Bank of America. I didn't know what I was doing. I had $20-25, like Bella said. And as you know, Google is like 3K a share, okay? So I'm telling you, I'm telling you, listen to Bella. I know, I know you got to eat. You want to order out. I know your Uber stays full. I know your Uber Eats is full or your DoorDash or your whatever. I know you got to do your nails. I know. (laughs) I'm promising you in 20 years, what Bella's saying to you, you're going to really, really appreciate it. You're going to wish you would. Yep. You're going to wish you would. So take your couple dollars, go into the description, get the app and start putting a little bit away. You said once a month is okay too, right? Once a month. Okay. And the reason why it's so accessible now is you have fractional shares. So if you don't have enough money to buy one full share of, let's say Apple, for example, you can buy a piece of Apple. You could buy $20 worth, $25 worth. Same thing with Amazon, all these large companies, but you'll have a piece of the pie. Right. And if you invest consistently over time, I mean, Amazon will take a little bit longer. But for Apple, for example, after a few months or a few weeks, you'll have one full share. And also fractional shares, you will still get a dividend payment, which is a cash distribution to shareholders. So it really will behoove you to start early if you are in your 20s. So if you can, like you said, the mink lashes, the Uber Eats, the DoorDash, we get it. The Starbucks, we get it. But you kind of have to pay into yourself just how you're paying into these corporations. When we return from this short commercial break, Bella's going to continue giving you smart money moves for those of us in our 30s. We'll be right back. I'm Janelle B. Stewart, and you're listening to the Look on the Bright Side podcast. Support for the Look on the Bright Side podcast comes from Jesse Monroe Nail Care. If you're a girly girl and you love taking care of yourself, you want to pamper yourself and make yourself feel beautiful, check out jessiemonroenailcare.com. Jesse Monroe Nail Care is a woman-owned black business offering vegan nail polishes that all can wear. They offer so many colors to choose from and they are all beautiful. Trust me, I personally have many any of the Jesse Monroe Nail Care nail polishes in my collection. So let me help you out by giving you three of my favorite colors. First is Come Through, next is Polar Bear, and last is Keep It Mellow. Go and check out jessiemonroenailcare.com and use code BRIGHTSIDE20 to save 20% on your entire order, excluding bundles. If you're a book lover like I am, you probably have a pile of books on your bookshelf collecting dust. I mean, I want to read them, but I'm just too busy. Well, I found a way to read books without actually reading them. 
it's not magic. It's called Audible. Audible is a membership service that provides customers with the world's largest selection of audiobooks, as well as podcasts, exclusive originals, and more. I opened my Audible account in 2017, and since then, I've listened to almost 200 audiobooks. Most of the books I listen to are by Black authors such as Carl Weber, Christina C. Jones, Tiffany Haddish, Gabrielle Union, First Lady Michelle Obama, Francesca Ramsey, Taraji P. Hempson, Jennifer Lewis, and Elaine Welteroth. But I also really love a romance novel, honey. I also love business and self-help books. Getting an Audible membership is one of the best decisions I ever made because I can listen to audiobooks while I carpool my kids or make dinner, do the laundry, watch my kids at their extracurricular activities, or while I'm getting work done in my office. Every month I get one Audible credit to pick any title I want and I get to keep it forever, even if I cancel, which I never will. Plus, I get to select two Audible originals from the monthly selection. I can listen to podcasts, access daily news digest, and listen to some guided meditation if I want to get my zen on. You have to try out Audible. And you can even try it out for 30 days free, seriously free. When you visit audibletrial.com slash Janelle B. Stewart, you'll get one credit to get any title and you can access all the features that I have for free. If you're not sure what to get with your first credit, I highly recommend you get Will by Will Smith. You will love it. He reads it the best I've ever seen anyone read an audiobook. Visit audibletrial.com slash Stewart. The link is in my show notes. And let's start reading. Or shall I say listening? <laughs> hey, loves. Welcome back. Bella is going to continue giving her smart money moves for those of us in our 30s and 40s. Now we're going to go into our decade, okay? So what are three important things for us ladies in our 30s? What should we do now? Yeah, so the first thing is a tip that really focuses on mindset. And I'm going to say, forgive yourself for any mistakes you have made prior to now. We tend to beat ourselves up and we really just are so negative when it comes to the mistakes we've made. You know, and so I want you to forgive yourself and also give yourself some grace if you are in this place where you are starting to take your credit and finances seriously, because back to what we were saying before, wherever you are right now, it didn't happen overnight. So it's going to take some time to kind of get out of whatever situation you are in, or if you're trying to approve upon what you've built thus far. And so forgive yourself, give yourself some grace, and just know that you are on a different path now. And once you know better, you are going to do better. So that's the first tip I would say, because we as women, we are, we beat ourselves up so bad that it's like, you are just really a mean girl to yourself. So really start to be nice to yourself. Give yourself that grace. Learn from those lessons, right? We don't want to repeat them. So take the learning lesson and then just move on from it. Don't hold on to it because it's not going to serve you at all as you move forward. I love it. What's the next one? Next one. So now we need to really get serious about investing. If you've been ignoring your investments in your 20s, now is a decade to really take it seriously. And so back to what Janelle was saying, right, we can start with that $20, $25 
But of course, now in our 30s, we need to kind of increase the contribution, of course, as your budget seems fit. And so if you are someone, for example, who is contributing to a 401k, I want to encourage you to try to increase that contribution by one to two percent because we really need to start increasing our contributions because we kind of have a little bit, we're a little bit behind the curve now because we're starting in our 30s. We still have plenty of time to catch up in order to quote unquote catch up. You do have to increase how much you are in, um, contributing to your investments. So that's the one tip I would, the second tip I would give for anyone in their 30s. And Bella, in, in now in regards to 30s, you said, you know, we really have to start increasing it. For someone who's in their 30s, they're, they have a 401k at work or whatever. Why does she need to do this? Because she's probably like, mm, I don't know if I could do it. I can't push it. Why does she need to understand that this is really almost non-negotiable? So, so great question. So when it comes to your money, there are two things that really are going to help it grow. Giving it the most amount of time to grow or increasing how much you're contributing. So that now is a larger base that's going to grow. So when it comes to your 20s and you invest, you have more time. So you can, it's okay to have these small contributions, but in your 30s, you have a little bit less time. So to kind of catch up to your ultimate goal, you need to start to increase that contribution. And so it kind of goes back to having a budget to say, what can I start to make changes to kind of say, how can I increase my contribution? You might say, I can't afford, I can't afford, I can't afford. But when you kind of look at where you're spending your money, you probably can't afford. You just have <laughs> to be a little bit more strategic. And it kind of goes back, if you're failing to plan, you're planning to fail. And so I know the B word is unsexy. A lot of us don't like it. Like, oh my God, budgeting is so restrictive. But honestly, your budget's your best friend. And it's really going to help you figure out what your money needs to do and how to make it work best for you. I know like for myself, when I'm kind of doing the budgeting up here, things are a hot mess. Things just don't go well. When I have my budget, I'm on track and I can stay, I'm a numbers person. I like to see things in my app and it kind of keeps me grounded. And so seeing it helps you make better decisions because when you're not budgeting the right way, you tend to be more reactive than proactive. You are, you forget about the bill that's due, oh, or it's, it's a little bit higher this month, or you have an emergency, and things just get really wonky really fast, versus being proactive, you can make more intentional decisions when it comes to your finances. I'm going to give a quick example. So when you are not budgeting or sticking to any kind of budget, you're kind of doing things on the fly. So let's say you go to Target, you plan to spend $100, you spend $200. That can happen to any of us. So now that extra $100 has to come from somewhere. So maybe now you can't pay your light bill. Maybe you have to buy less groceries. Maybe now that thing you're going to buy for your kids, you now can't buy until next pay period because the, the pie is only oh so big. And so you're just kind of doing things on the fly. You're more reactive. Versus when you are actively budgeting, and let's say the same scenario, you go to Target, your budget had $100, you now are in the store and you say, okay, I'm now going to spend $200. So now this is your time to make a decision to say, well, where is this money going to come from? Am I going to pull it from my holiday savings? Am I going to pull it from the light bill? And you might say, you know what, I can't afford to do that. Let me put some of this stuff back. 
you are now making an intentional decision on what to do or not to do when you are in the store. And so for me, as someone who's very impulsive <laughs> when she shops, being able to see it on paper to say, well, if I'm pulling from something else that's important to me, Target's not that important. I don't want to pull from my holiday fund. I don't want to pull from my fund money. I don't want to have to not pay my life bill. I want to take care of that stuff. So let's kind of put some of this stuff back at Target. And for me, that tends to work. But again, it kind of goes back to planning and it will look different for everyone, whether you use a notebook, whether you use a planner, whether you use Excel or use an app. But finding a system that works for you is really what matters. You know, when it comes to budgeting, people tend to say, oh, you got to do it this way. You got to do it that way. I like to say you have to make it work for you because everyone works differently. Your pay cycles work differently. Your needs every month work differently. But just know your budget is meant to be dynamic. And so you are allowed to make changes, but you want to make changes that make sense. So, yes, I would, I, that would be my other tip. And now we're going to go into three important things women in their 40s should do now. Yes. So when it comes to the 40s, now is that time where you should really be doubling down on investing and really focusing on acquiring assets, whether it's a, you know, investing in a business or starting a business, investing more in stocks that create, um, that give, that pay out dividends that are going to pay you out a monthly or quarterly payment, because that's something that can, so just be back a little bit. So for myself, for example, that's my plan for retirement, not to only just have a certain nest egg of money in an account or several accounts to have different income streams as well, because we don't know what the cost of living is going to be when we are ready to retire. So the goal is to have a million dollars in retirement, we don't know how much a million is going to really get you by in the future when it comes to your property taxes, just being able to live. <clears throat> so the focus should also be having income coming in in retirement and not just relying on your pension or the government, because as we know, that's not always the best plan. And we don't know what that's going to look like when it's our time to retire. So <clears throat> depending upon yourself to create these income streams, so dividends can be an income stream in retirement. But now is the time to start making that a priority. So you want to find stocks that pay out dividends on a regular schedule. You're going to reinvest those dividends. So as the portfolio grows, your dividend payments are going to grow because now you have more ownership and more shares of stocks. So that would be my thing when it comes to anyone in their 40s, trying to find multiple income streams, whether it's investing in a business, starting a business, investing in dividend and um, dividend paying stocks. Maybe getting into real estate, if you can't afford to do that on your own, there are companies like Fundrise that give you an ability to be part owner in a piece of property, and then you are also going to receive payments as well. So you really want to find multiple income streams in your 40s, because that's really going to help you as you start to plan for retirement, because that is, that is the decade where retirement is not around the corner per se, but it's it's coming quickly, depending upon when you want to retire, because for a lot of people, they want to retire early. They want to work into their 60s and 70s. So if you want to retire early, how are you going to do that? You got to put a plan in place. And so two, if you are in your 40s and you are not a homeowner, but <clears throat> you are in a place where you want to become a homeowner, you have to buckle down now. Now is the time to buckle down. So you have to start cutting back on expenses, getting really serious and intentional about 
saving up for that down payment. And I say that because I have women in my own audience who they're in their 40s and they are looking to become homeowners. But now is the time you have to take it seriously. Every micromanaging your credit, setting up for credit monitoring services so you know exactly what's going on at all time because this is the time to really, you know, do the damn thing. If it's been an issue in your 20s and 30s and you're in your 40s, you have to buckle down and get serious. So what we talked about for the people in their 20s, Take that times 10. Take that times 10. <laughs> really start to cut back on the expenses. You, you don't have time for fluff. We want to make sure we own our homes and earlier, better, because you don't want to be in your 70s still paying a mortgage, right? For most of us, we are a 30, have a 30-year mortgage. <laughs> 30-year mortgage. So if you start in your 40s, 30 years, you're not going to be in your 70s with the mortgage payment, and you're supposed to be planning for retirement at that stage, right? So... Yeah, that's a really good point. You just made me think like I reflected back. I'm like, okay, based on when I bought my house, it'll be paid off this amount of in this decade of life. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll be clear of 70s. I'll definitely be clear of 70s. Awesome. And then the third tip for our ladies in their 40s. Yes, third tip. This is for anyone who actually is in home ownership. But if you are in your 40s and you've been paying your mortgage and you're not doing this thing here. I want you to start ASAP. So there is a way to reduce how long you are paying your mortgage, and that is by doing biweekly mortgage payments. And so when it comes to the biweekly mortgage payments, it essentially is going to help accelerate how um, quickly you pay off your mortgage. My husband and I are literally doing this right now. So we, like many people, have a 30-year mortgage, and we are on track to pay it off in 15 years. And I know that probably sounds like, wait, what the hell? But <laughs> but we started this when we first bought our, our year two of having our home. So the earlier we started is the other reason why we're able to kind of get to it in that sort of a time period. But the biweekly mortgage payments essentially will create a schedule where you will have two payments every single year that are going to go straight to principal. So let me like break it down. So you're not bit. paying the full amount every two weeks. Correct. Half. So right, you're paying half. So with the biweekly payments, you're paying half of your mortgage every two weeks. But like everyone who gets paid twice a week, you have that two months every year where you get three paychecks. So same thing with the mortgage payment, you're going to have two months every year where you're going to make three mortgage payments. So that third payment is going to go all to your principal. It's not going into escrow. It's not, there's no interest. It's all going to principal. So what does that do? That now reduces the principal in which you're being charged interest on. And so it's, most companies will have a amortization calculator and you log into your account. So you can kind of play with it to see you know, how it will work out for you. But for us, we were going to save like $180,000 in interest payments by, by doing this. And so if that's not your goal to pay your mortgage off in 15 years, that's fine. But if you could just reduce it by five years, by four years, that's thousands of dollars that's going to help, help you um, save you money. And also it's money back in your pocket. And so I recommend for anyone who has a home, especially if you are in your fours and you already have a house, you've not been doing this, I highly recommend doing that. Now, again, you do have to budget yourself accordingly because you will have those through two months or you have three payments to make. But again, it is something that's going to be so worthwhile. And it, you can also add extra principal as you can. Add $100, $200. You might say, well, Bella, it's not a whole lot. 
every $100, $100 for 12 months, that's $1,200. You're knocking down your principal. You're knocking down your principal on top of the biweekly payments. And that's literally what we're doing to help us pay off our mortgage much faster. That's great. These were all great tips for all the decades. I really hope that you, my listeners, um, take heed to this advice because it's really, really, really good, Bella. Thank you for (laughs) pouring into us so much today. Um, And then, Bella, I have a final question for you. And that question is, where can listeners learn more about you? I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. You are out. He is. He's everywhere. <laughs> so my main platform right now is Instagram. I post on Instagram like four to five times a day. I go live two to three days a week. Um, so that's really the best place to find me, especially when it comes to my Instagram lives, because we definitely do, you know, have conversations. You can also do, we also do Q&A. So that's the best place to find me. I'm also re-emerging on Clubhouse. We're restarting our weekly rooms this week. Okay. So my goal is to just do two days a week because the seven days a week was just way too much. I also have my YouTube channel. And so that when we focus on credit and also credit card rewards, but we are branching off into financial literacy as well. So investing and things like that. Um, I'm also having my own podcast. I thought I forgot about that for a second. So that podcast is called How to Stop Being Broke. And it's so funny because I got that name from a live that Janelle and I had. Yeah. I guess a year ago now. Wow. Yeah. And so that one is the same concept, more financial literacy, but I share more of my own personal stories. And so I love to talk. So the podcasting is just, it just comes naturally. Bella um, told you she was everywhere and she's everywhere and she's <laughs> always there, clearly. <laughs> I'm on TikTok too. I've been repurposing my content from Instagram to have it on TikTok. Okay. We'll have your whole schedule and itinerary <laughs> down in the description for everybody to um, listen in on. And you all, I hope that this conversation around financial literacy from the used to want to be singer was helpful to you. (laughs) This has been a great conversation, but I've learned so much as well. I always learn new things when I'm listening to you. So this was so, 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 so helpful. Um, Any final words? Sure thing. So the first thing I would say for anyone, wherever you are right now in your journey, if you're not happy with where you are, you could be in a totally different place one year from now. It just comes down to how bad do you want it? And how hard are you willing to work for it? The one thing that I like to say to my clients, I don't want us to have the same conversation this time next year. I want us to be in a different space, a better space, because we should be working really, really hard to move up from where we are. You don't have to settle for bad credit. You don't have to settle for renting if you don't want to be a renter. You can literally change your life, but it all comes down to how bad you actually want it. So We are in a place where things are more accessible. The information is out there, paid or free. You have to just go out there and be willing to take it in and also get rid of those old habits and mindsets that that no longer serve you. So start today. You don't have all the answers, but start today, start now, and just really start to be, you know, willing to put in the work. So that would be my last close sentence for the audience. But for you, Janelle, thank you for having me. You know, I love you. I appreciate you. And I love your platform and what you're doing for our community as well. So I want to give you your flowers today as well. Thank you, Bella. You're so very welcome. Anytime. I got you, girl. I got you. (laughs) Wow. That was that was one episode. I hope you enjoyed this time with me and Bella 
chatting about financial wellness and making good, smart money moves for you in 2022. Now, if you're not a patron, I just want to make sure you understand that you're truly missing out. Every single time I have an interview, I have to chop it down to keep it to a decent length. However, if you want to see all the things that weren't included in this episode, along with the video version of the podcast so that you can see me and Bella engaging and in real time, along with the discussions that didn't get to make it to the podcast, you want to make sure you join me over on Patreon, okay? Shout out to all my patrons, including Bella, who is also a patron for their continued support and a list of all the things you need to stay updated with Bella are going to be down in the description of this episode below. Now I know you guys are going to have a lot to say about this discussion and I just cannot wait to hear what you say. I'm looking forward to reading your tweets and Instagram posts and IG stories. Be sure to tag me. I'm at Janelle B. Stewart everywhere. If you love this podcast, here's three simple ways you can support it. Leave me a review. It's free and your reviews help to improve my podcast ranking on Apple Podcasts. Next, share this podcast with others. Also free and easy to do with the click of a button on your mobile phone. And lastly, become a patron and support this podcast so that it can continue to grow and help others live more abundantly. With that, I hope you all have a great week. And as always, I love you for listening. Bye.